You're listening to The Real Wealth Show with Kathy Fetke, the real estate investor's resource. Today's guest is a successful dance coach, choreographer, and competitor. And he's also managed to build a rental portfolio of 11 properties nationwide. And he plans to double that within the next five years. Let's find out how he's done it and plans to do it. I'm Kathy Fetke, and welcome to The Real Wealth Show. Our guest today, Kurt Sensor, is a longtime member of the Real Wealth Network. He joined back in 2008, so I've personally known him for over a decade. But Kurt had already started building his real estate portfolio before we met, starting in 2004. And since he saved his pennies for every down payment, he spent a lot of time researching before plopping any money down. His five-year goal is to have a total of 20 residential properties. So let's find out how he's doing it. Kurt, welcome to The Real Wealth Show. Thank you. Glad to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you here. So we've known each other for a while. Let's see, you joined Real yeah. Wealth Network in 2008. Is that right? That's correct. Wow. And how did you find us well, and what were you looking for? So I was interested in real estate. So I was going to a couple of the courses. I went to the Guru's course of learning all that information because I wanted to learn. So after paying for a bunch of this and learning a lot of information, but at cost, going to one of the sessions, there was a girl there and she said, well, there's this one lady, she's at a radio show. And so I took down your information and then listened to it. And then you talked about a counseling session. And so, you know, I came in there, set one up right away when you, you and the other Kathy were on the counseling. Oh, Kathy Copeland. Yeah. 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 So you both sat down and came in there and just, you know, you say, you know, what are your goals? What do you want to do? So at that time, I just had one rental property in Arizona that I bought in 2004 because I've been interested in real estate for a long time. I just never had the money to actually purchase something. But at that time, I had a little bit of money and I went to the community college before then and there was a little course on, you know, buying property out of state. And some of them talked about cash flow and depreciation. I like Phoenix. And so I went to a little tour in Phoenix and ended up buying one for a 150, three bedroom, two bath, brand new in a new development. And so I had that for several years and it was actually negative cash flow, like 300 negative cash flow. Ooh. But I was fine with that because I just wanted a house. My first house, actually, I didn't have a house to live. I was still renting, but I bought that while you know, renting in California. But I like real estate so much because I want to stick with it. I knew that would down the road. It's basically where most people make their wealth, you know, because I've been studying it and, you know, reading about it and stuff like that. And that's when I went to the cinema to learn more and, and all the different kind of strategies you can do. And then, you know, that's when I, again, like in 2008, became a member with you guys. And so learning that I can learn this without having to pay all that money and go into your uh, workshops and stuff. So that was like great information. You know, it's also trying to find someone you can trust because at that time there was a lot of great properties in 2008 because I had some, I saved some money. And so I was eager. So I knew that you can get good deals and downturn. I just didn't know there would be that many. And, and then I was hesitant. I mean, I mm -hmm. saw some good deals and I saw a lot of crap out there that was just like, the Winchester Mystery House. I'm like, what is this? <laughs> so I probably looked at so many houses, but there were some good deals that I was like, oh, I don't know if there's something wrong with this or what. So I was hesitant to purchase, although I did, after looking at on probably over a hundred houses, I went to Sacramento, drove all over and mm -hmm. took, I went on one of your tours in Sacramento. And I looked at some nice ones and I did end up buying in Pittsburgh in 2009. 
after looking at so many, I actually put a bid on one. I think it was a HUD foreclosure. It was listed for 137. Mm-hmm. So we put it at 125 and we got it. So I ended up moving into that house. And actually, since it was the first house living in, we got the $8,000 tax credit. So the plan was live there for three years and get to live there for three years. And, it, you know, it would have good bones, but it needs some updating. You know, it, I think a, um, an older lady lived there and they you had this burnt orange shag carpet and the yard was all kind of... <laughs> Oh, it smells like money to me. Yeah, but but again, it was in good shape. So I I just worked on it. I did a lot of it because I'm pretty handy and I like working on houses, fixing things up on the side, did some landscape design stuff. So it's just something that kind of was a hobby and became part of a side business for me. So I did the whole landscaping and back and front, painted the whole house. It's funny because the house was white with a baby blue trim and it was just kind of ugly, I mean, in that sense. The roof looked, it was one of those uh, architectural shingles. Um, mm-hmm. So that the roof looked good. So I just painted it with this color of green and dark, dark green, but it changed the whole look of the house. So it wow. just looked like a totally different house just by painting it. And then I did paint the whole inside and did some of the plumbing. And one of the showers was just a bath. One of the bathrooms was just a, a tub. So I put the extra pipe in the shower in there. So it turned it, and actually the, it had a big living room too, but it didn't need it. So it kind of turned like a big to a big office. So uh, it turned kind of like into a four-bedroom, two-bath. But lived in it for three years. After three years, um, moved out and rented it out. So I think we got start. We got a seventeen hundred. At the end of um, like five years later, we're getting like twenty-one hundred to wow. rent on that one. And in the meantime, while I was living there, a friend talked to me about this guy who would buy homes at the courthouse steps. You know, and I learned about them too. They call them the good old boys. Mm-hmm. You, know, you can't really, they kind of intimidate you if you go down there yourself. So I went down there just to check it out and just kind of watch what they do. But I then, then contacted this friend who this one guy, she, she was buying houses and he was send these lists of foreclosures. There's like, I don't know, 50 foreclosures on there. You kind of go through them. And I, I looked through a, a few of them all over Pittsburgh and, and Antioch and Brentwood. And, you know, sometimes, you know, the doors, the doors were open. You'd go inside and look in there. Sometimes some of the people break the door, but you go in there and sometimes there was trash everywhere and a bunch of clothes and stuff and everything still in there. But some of them were nice. But at the time, I, you know, if I knew now, what I, you know, didn't know then, I'd be like, oh, this is a good one. But I was, again, I was hesitant. So, sure. I mean, I saw so many. And like now, it's like you'd say, oh, I wish I could have done that again. But then I ended up buying one at the auction. We paid the guy like a $5,000 fee for him to do the bidding because he was connected in there. Oh, so nice. we saw one in, in Oakley. I think it was 137. So we ended up paying 142. Um, there was actually somebody still living in it. So we wow. peeked in the window before we put a bid on it because we looked, looked in there, looked in there. And this house looked pretty nice, looked good from the outside. So, we, but the only thing is you don't know what, what the inside is like. So you, you don't get to go in there. You kind of okay. try to, you know, That's see if it's not trash. Yeah. So it didn't look trash or anything. So ended up getting it. So now the next thing was how to get the uh, tenant out of there. We talked to him. He was kind of irritated and pissed off. So we ended up, you know, learning to say, okay, you can always do cash for keys. So we ended up offering him four hundred, five hundred bucks. So he, he kind of took that as long as he doesn't destroy anything and move out. So he did that. And then when we looked inside, it was actually granite countertops and, and it was actually pretty good, pretty good shape. You know, you just need a little, a little cosmetic. With that one, I tried to do like a, just a cosmetic fix and flip, but I find out that I, you know, I didn't have the time and that's not the road I wanted to go down, fix and flip. Because mm-hmm. again, I tried to sell it after that, but at the time the market went up, but then it went back down. So I think what I enjoy is just like living in it, fixing it up, 
while I'm living in it, so I can kind of do it at my own pace. So when I kept looking at the houses that you offered, and after going to a couple of your meetings, you know, I could sense that you're sincere, and I felt that I can trust what you're offering. So, um, yeah. I mean, I looked at a lot of the markets. Actually, the markets that you had, I've been going for like, it was actually, let's see, 2008 was actually four years before I actually purchased my first one because I, I, I guess I was cautious. So I think I went to like, I think like I'm probably went to like six different cities that you were offering. Like I went to Birmingham, I went to Memphis, Arkansas, and you had that, Jacksonville, Northern Summit, Kansas City. So after talking to Cincinnati a couple of times, I talked to her with a confession, and then a year later, I ended up purchasing two sight unseen. Wow. And some people might be scared to do, but at that time, I was, I was saying, I got to do something. I had the money. I can't just keep letting time go by. So, so I finally just said, years to jump in, and then you jumped in and bought sight unseen. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, since then, right now I have 10 properties in that period of time. I actually bought 14. I sold the Arizona one. And I was debating, do I hang on to it? But I had some equity into it. And, and it wasn't getting the rent um, for a $150,000 purchase. It was only getting like, I think, nine fifty for rent. And I'm seeing these other ones that you offered out there. If it was one hundred and twenty, dollars we're getting 1200 rent. So mm-hmm. I wanted to take that cash and purchase a couple of them instead of having one. So I ended up selling that Arizona one and buying a couple of the out-of-state ones. So I think my next one that I purchased, you were offering Memphis and Little Rock. And it's funny because I bought one in both, same thing, sight unseen, in both markets at the same time. And then Cleveland, also, right. so I think out of the properties that I've, I think there were nine, or 10 properties, eight were sight unseen. So it's funny. Eventually, I went out there to take a look and see what street they're on because I'm like hoping, okay, if I go down there, I'll see look on a good street because I mean, I, I went on Google, so you can kind of get a good idea by looking on Google, you know, map and go down the street, turn and look at the house across the street, look at how many cars are on the street, um, what does the house look like across the street. So that gave me a good idea. Mm-hmm. And when I did go out to look at some of them, I was kind of like, okay, this is good. I like this one. So all of them, they look fairly good. So how many do uh, you do now? Right now, I have 10. Wow. <laughs> I feel it's I'm on the slow pace. A go slow ahead. pace? Well, kind of, because I hear these other people, oh, I got 20 properties already and stuff like that. But I I like the slow and steady, you know, as long as I keep getting some, I'm kind of on that edge of the rat race, getting out of the rat race to where, you know, your income surpasses your expenses so that eventually I can do my work for fun and not do it for, you know, living expenses. Yeah, have your basic expenses covered. Well, I would say most people probably 98% of the population would think that you're on the fast track because (laughs) your 10 properties is pretty good. Um, That's true because I was looking at some stats and I was like, uh, I I don't know, it's like 90% or I forgot what it was, but there wasn't that many people that had 10 properties or more. And there was like five or more or something like that. It was kind of low actually. I was surprised. So that made me feel good. Yeah, absolutely. So what uh, would you say have been the big lessons learned for somebody just starting out? Well, we're starting out. Probably if you have the money and you're ready, and I guess not let that fear, you know, because if I could have started earlier, I would have got some houses maybe at a better deal, like Cleveland or Cincinnati or some. I know at the time I got it, the prices went up a little bit. But so I probably could get a little better ratio to rent. But probably the biggest thing would be probably allowing enough for expenses. I know on some of them they say like 4%, but I, I kind of, think that for the average house, probably a three, two, um, maybe 14 around there, give or take square feet that I kind of 
averaging about a hundred dollars a month. So mm-hmm. like some of my houses, no problems. And then other ones, they are like the problem child, you know, always something going wrong. And the houses that have the problems, were those rehabbed when you bought them or were they the ones that you Yeah, they were rehabbed. Um, one of them, there was two that I went and saw it and purchased it. And that one, I thought, oh, that's a good one. It's got good bones, looks good. You know, they've got cracked driveway. It's all looking good. But that one, they, you know, they rehabbed it. But then there was like, seems like every month there's some problem. And I'm like, what the heck? After, you know, two years, it's like, feels like it should be rehabbed again. <laughs> yeah, what city so, was in? Well, I had the, kind of a two-problem child. One was in Cleveland, one was in Little Rock. Little Rock seems to have a lot of bug problems. Yeah, I was wondering um, if it would have something to do with climate. It seems like each area has something you need to be aware of and make sure that your property manager is aware of. Like in Texas, you need to make sure that if there's a drought, that you keep the dirt fairly moist in the summer so that the ground doesn't dry up so much that it affects the foundation. And I I, I was going to say in Little Rock and maybe Memphis, there might be a bug problem that you have to stay on top of. Yeah, I have one house in Memphis that's been pretty good. I mean, the tenant's been in the whole time. Like Cincinnati has been pretty good, actually. I noticed that some property managers that will tack on 15%. So I don't care for that. <laughs> you know, because you, you got an expense already and then you got to tack on another 15% because it's not fun. So especially if it's a big yeah, expense. Definitely have the reserves. Any any other advice? Probably besides the maintenance. I mean, I would check like property management. I, I noticed that some of them, you know, they're all different. Some of them they'll get back to you right away, but then they'll um, certain ones like like I say Little Rock. There's always seems to be some kind of a maintenance issue. And then I had another property manager that like the one in Memphis. I like the uh, contract to get to the tenants because like look, you're responsible for this for this. If you're going to do this, we're going to charge you to come out for it. So they kind of spell it out. Or mm-hmm. some of them maybe in the contract they're maybe too lenient, so they think they can call you for everything. Mm-hmm. So. I guess it's kind of looking at the contracts that they give to the uh, tenants and then what they charge you for maintenance, kind of looking over some of that stuff to give you an idea. So it's not like, what's this 15% for? But that's probably the main thing. And always checking your statement because, you know, it's like they don't always kind of let you know if it's under 200 or if it's over 200. But sometimes, you know, like recently, um, I have a problem with the property management in uh, Section 8. So that's another thing I would probably say is, in one of the cities in Cleveland that they have this called CMH that they do an inspection. The city comes out and does an inspection every year. So I got hit with, uh, you got to fix the paint on the rail. There's on one of the bedrooms. So stuff to me that seemed tedious that ended up costing me like, well, actually over $1,500. And then they wanted to do a an inspection on the HVAC, which, you know, I, I had to go out to Cleveland. And so when I asked, I had to get one myself to do it. And it was like 180. So property manager was going to charge 350. So there's little okay. little things like that, you know, kind of keeping an eye on them. You know, what are they charging and how good of work they're doing on the property? Because I know when I went out there, it was like some of the work was kind of shoddy, some of the maintenance people. So how do you recommend people stay on top of the maintenance and on their property? Uh, well, I always check it every month because I want to know what's what's going on. Then if there is a charge, I want to know, you know, why or what's going on. If I keep on seeing over and over again because I, you know, contacted one of them and I said, just, okay, is it the house? Did they not rehab it well enough? Or is it the tenant that calls about every little problem? So I like to go out, you know, if I was closer to what, now that I'm in Atlanta, I'm a little closer. So I will drive out to them occasionally, you know, maybe six months to do an inspection myself, but I was in California before, so it was too hard. Sometimes I'd 
if I was in the area, maybe I'd, I'd fly out depending on what was going on or if I was looking at properties and then go past my existing homes. So yeah. I kind of like to check out the area, especially if I'm going to buy. I want to see what the areas are like because every area is a little different. I mean, I like Cleveland because the streets look clean where sometimes maybe down in Little Rock or Arkansas, depending on what streets you go down or, you know, I was in Kansas City too, that sea neighborhood. I just didn't care for their certain areas. I'm like, oh, I don't want to buy in this area. They tend to be maybe a little more drama. Yeah, so in reality. What numbers, you can handle. What you can handle. Yeah, the numbers don't so. usually uh, reflect the pro forma in reality on those C&D properties. But, you know, not, not always. It's just if there's high crime in the area, it's tough to keep those going. Yeah, well. I think the property manager and who the, the group you're dealing with. So I think sometimes when they get too big, which happens in everything, is they kind of get more laxed. Or I know that when I first started looking at properties and not everybody was looking to buy rental properties, and, you know, back in 2009, 10, I was really scared that the uh, teams were more giving like, oh, we're going to countertops, we're going to do this. So they're kind of going out of their way. But now that you have it the other way around, they can kind of get away with not offering as much as they did back then. So. Mm-hmm. Or if they get too busy, right. I, I don't know. I think in one area, they get too busy and they got too many teams or rehabbers that some of the rehabbers, you know, maybe the group that they started with were good, but then as they have to hire more, maybe they don't do as good work. So you may want to check that out too, how good of a work they're doing. Yeah. But they're all different. So what's your ultimate goal now that you, you had 14 properties, you have 11 now? Well, I want to do two every year for the next year. So right now the goal is 20. I would like to have maybe 25% paid for, 50% paid, then the others maybe like 25 down or 20. So that, you know, in case the downturn, well, you know, it's going to happen. It's just how bad or what's going to happen. I don't want to be in a position that if some people have to move out or they don't pay rent and be stuck. So I'd like to be prepared for that if I have to, where I'm getting a certain amount of cash flow. I'd like to get at least averaging 300 cash flow or more. But yeah, I would like to have 20 in the next five years total. And then, I don't know, I may look into uh, maybe a duplex, fourplex, kind of learn about the other ones and see what avenue I'd like to do. Because I have also one of your syndications too. I also did that Portland one, which is pretty good. Awesome. But yeah, that's and, the goal. And the ultimate goal, it sounds like, is to have your expenses covered so that you can spend time the way you want to. And, and what would that look like? Well, right now I teach dance for a living from wedding couples to swing lands also and stuff like that. So I enjoy that. I still enjoy also fixing up houses, kind of live in one, fix it up, maybe go to the next one. But I want that to kind of be more for kind of gravy money where I just enjoy doing that and not as a living, but for fun and then continue to do the property. So I can take the trips or go to this event and hang out with family. I just got back from China with my girlfriend. So it's the first time I actually went on an international trip. So I'd like to go to Europe. I'd like to go there for a month. You know, it's kind of nice to know that so got the income coming in and not worrying that I, because being self-employed, they stop working, you don't get paid. So, but the path right. of income, is, yeah, getting those multiple streams of income. So that's the goal. Awesome. You have freedom to do what I want, when I want, for how long I want. I love it. All right. Well, hopefully uh, we can come and take some lessons. We should have you come to one of our events and have you teach us all how to dance. Yeah, the teach the group. Party. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. For sure. That would be a lot of fun. It sounds like you're living in Atlanta now where you, you have a lot more access to great properties. Yes, yeah, so I definitely I want to plan on buying one in Atlanta. I do a little uh, research and I have driven all around town. So 
I'm going to try to buy something here. So I'm close to the other property. So you just continue to keep looking and, and then maybe find one where I can live in and fix up. So now on a dancer's salary, you've got a, a dance school. How are you acquiring more? Are you refinancing some of the old properties and using that money? Or are you saving money? What are you using for the down payment? Well, so when I was in California, you know, obviously saving money, putting money aside over the years because I was working two jobs. I had I was had a landscape and I had a studio at the same time. So I was basically doing seven days a week and I saved a lot of money. And then I had the money to buy the first one. So that's when I bought the Pittsburgh house. So we sold that one actually a year ago. So we bought it for one twenty five. So last year for four thirty five. So took some of that money, took some of the money from my Arizona house, and then some of the money I saved. So I've been taking it from there and I and just kind of have a little money aside so that when I do see something that I can kind of take that money and purchase from there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So yeah, those other properties for sure. I haven't done the herb method yet, but I want to do that one. Buy, rehab, refinance, repeat, or whatever it is. Oh, the Burr model. Yeah. 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 It looks like you're living in the area now. I mean, it was hard to do when you lived in the San Francisco Bay yeah. Area. You're living in Atlanta. That might be a little easier to pull off. Yeah, so that's the plan. Yeah, California, you know, back in 2009, it worked, but now it doesn't work anymore. No. All right, Kurt. Well, it's been such a pleasure to have you on, on The Real Wealth Show, sharing your tips and your goals and your wisdom. So thank you so much for sharing thank with you. us today. And thank you for joining me here on The Real Wealth Show. You can listen to this and any past episodes at realwealthshow.com. <laughs>